0: Hello, and welcome to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I am your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, where I'm here to empower you to become the alpha of your health. All right, you guys. So welcome back to the show. Happy to have you here. If you are a first time listener, welcome to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio if you are a long time listener, thank you guys for being here. We, um, we are continuing to just bring you guys some awesome, awesome interviews and just really bringing you a bunch of different perspectives on all things, health, wellness, optimal performance, just being the alpha of your health. And today's interview is no exception to that. Today's interview, I interviewed Dr. Russell Sarosky. So he is a triple board certified neurologist. He, is one of the only physicians or the only physician in the U S with the combination of credentials that he has, which is very cool. He is the chief physician and consultant to a bunch of different addiction centers in long Island. He has private practice is called the Re- recovery revolution and it's in great neck, New York. Um, so very cool to talk to somebody else who is in New York. He's kind of more downstate from where I am, though. Um, And he's also a speaker and really big advocate for bringing awareness to addiction, opioid use, alcohol addiction, all things, which this is very, very important, in my opinion. You know, being a chiropractor, we, you know, we were we're really opened our eyes in terms of this opioid epidemic in school. We had lots of people come in and talk about that. And what was really cool, what Dr. Russell had kind of talked about in our interview, what you'll hear is he does a lot of really cool research with chiropractic care, um, and addiction, which is very cool. Um, and he actually does that with my alma mater, with New York chiropractic school, which is New York chiropractic college, which is very interesting. Um, you know, we have a clinic down in long Island. I did my clinic here in the Finger Lakes, but we have a bunch of different sites. We've got Buffalo, Long Island, um, here in the Finger Lakes. And so he's doing a lot of work there and which is really cool. And you know, we had, we had been friends on Instagram for a while and we would chatted back and forth and, he was kind of telling me, you know, he has a really big background with chiropractic because his dad was a chiropractor. So he had been treated and adjusted and, um, you know, throughout his life. And he actually works a lot with chiropractors now with referrals in his office, which I think is really important. And we talk a lot about that integrative approach and why that's so, so interesting. And, you know, he has a lot of really, really interesting points on the case of this current pandemic, you know, what it's doing in terms of addiction, anxiety, depression, what he's currently seeing in his practice. And he also brings some really other, really other interesting perspectives on things that he's seen in his life, um, in his residency and his journey, um, you know, being a neurologist. And so I think that today's conversation is probably going to bring some things that maybe you've never heard before. So I definitely encourage you to kind of keep an open mind, but we definitely, cover a lot of different things. And I really, really think that you're going to enjoy today's interview. If you guys do enjoy it, it would mean so much if you could leave a review, leave five stars, tell us how this episode helped you. You know, that's how we continue to get this message out, how we can continue to to get these episodes in the hands of other people to help them. Um, you know, I don't do any advertising or any promotional things on the show. It's really kind of just word of mouth. So you guys sharing this episode and helping me get the word out is is definitely a huge way that we can do that. But without further ado, I really, really hope that you guys enjoy today's interview. I think you're going to really like it. I know that I really enjoyed it. We hope to bring you a lot of empowerment, education, especially around the state of this, the current world. Um, he is such a great wealth of knowledge. So I hope you enjoy today's show. Okay. So we have an awesome guest today. Dr. Russell, thank you so much for being here. Pronounce your last name for me, just so I don't get it wrong again, because I couldn't spell it in the Gmail. Oh, sure.
1: It's Zerasky.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I would t- totally butcher that. What is that?
1: Uh, Russian, I believe. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Okay. All right. So I um, I love all that you post on social media. I know that we've connected there a lot, and I was so excited to bring you on. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what got you into neurology, um, and just kind of all of that stuff.
1: Of course. So first of all, I just want to say it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Absolutely. Uh, I, yes, as you said, I'm a neurologist. So I'm a medical doctor that specializes in the field of neurology, which is conditions that affect the brain and spinal cord. And then I went on to specialize in addiction medicine, which is really a, a field that's in its infancy. As you know, we have an addiction crisis across this country. Um, what initially drew me to neurology is, is, I think it's the most amazing field in medicine because the brain and the spinal cord control the hundreds of millions of cells in the body. And of course, it's the most complex field in medicine because the brain is truly the most complex organ. And, you know, the first thing that forms in the fetus is really the, the, the spinal cord and the brain, and then everything else develops around it. And, it, you know, like it's definitely the most hardest, the hardest topic in medical school. And, you know, all of that really drew me to it in the beginning.
0: Totally. Yeah. And so like what, what got you originally interested? Did you think that like you, you always wanted to be a doctor or did coming from, cause I know we had chatted that like your dad was a chiropractor. So like, did that have any influence on, you know, your interest in that type of stuff?
1: Of course it did. So, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, being introduced to health and wellness from a very young age, because as you mentioned, my dad is a chiropractor and. That embodies so much more than I think what the general public knows about chiropractic, which is back and neck pain. It's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. It's truly about wellness um, from a holistic standpoint. And so, you know, I grew up and and um, you know, understanding how important health was, and and I would get adjusted when I needed to be, but you know, my dad would adjust me. And you know, I kind of. I learned to have a different perspective on health and disease perhaps than maybe what you see a lot in the mainstream media. And then, and then, yeah, so I was very drawn to, to medicine essentially, but then I, so I went to medical school and, you know, I realized just how much we don't know. And, and uh, I, I sort of, um, I, I realized that, you know, you guys as chiropractors offer the public so much in terms of, you know, you can help them very uniquely in ways that medical doctors can. not And so I always kept up my own study of what you guys do and how it could help my patients who come to me with all sorts of neurological illnesses. And so I've worked together with chiropractors my whole career.
0: That's awesome. I think that's so cool because I know when we were in chiropractic school, we were always kind of told, oh, like, you know, MDs don't necessarily appreciate what we do. And, you know, it was kind of a learning experience for us to try to educate like what we do. We're not quack people who don't know what we're doing. Like we have a lot of education. Um, so I think that that's so cool yes. that,
1: that you mean, have that I experience. Saw... And No, for sure. Sorry. I don't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, you're saw, good. I know. I saw, I saw a miracle case. I, a patient of mine had Something, you know, severe Meniere's disease. Of course, you know what that is. But for those listening, Meniere's disease can be very debilitating. And it includes symptoms of severe vertigo, you know, room spinning sensation all the time, vomiting, tinnitus, you know, ringing in the ears, um, you know, losing your hearing permanently in some cases. And really the cause is stated as unknown, you know, in all of medicine and all that we know there's so many conditions we don't know about and if you still to this day if you look up Meniere's disease causes listed as unknown and we really don't have good treatments to help people well i had a patient with a severe case of Meniere's disease who was about to have their tympanic membranes in their ears you know uh completely ruptured and 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 uh, medicine you know poured into the uh, semicircular canals in the ear to try to help him and this patient went and saw a chiropractor who adjusted is atlas, which is that C1 vertebra. And you know, at that, at the top of the spine, right where the skull meets the C one vertebra, is that cranial cervical junction is the most complex region of neurology. There's 450 million neurons running through a very small space. And this this patient got an adjustment at C one and all of these symptoms went away. I mean all of them. Um here restored vertigo gone. It was incredible. And you know, it just furthered my desire to learn about how and what you guys do to help people
0: that's amazing it's so cool hearing those cases like that because like you said that i feel like along with so many other neurological things like oh it's idiopathic and when i was learning about that in chiropractic school I'm like how do we not know how do we not know what causes these things right oh it's just bad luck oh you just you just sure. have it and like we don't really have much to give them right so did mm-hmm. you do anything in your practice to be able to kind of like work alongside
1: i did and i i still do uh awesome. i've got taken, you know, many courses, uh, to try to, you know, learn how to help patients in that way, you know, in terms of, um, analyzing their spine, perhaps, you know, perhaps differently than traditional medical doctors might do it, how to adjust the spine. Um, and so I, I work alongside chiropractors. I do the techniques that I'm skilled at and yeah. our do the ones that they are. And we, we really work closely together to help people from everything from Parkinson's disease to strokes to MS. I mean, you know, it's been fantastic, you know, being able to work hand in hand with chiropractors.
0: That's so cool. I think that's, and that's honestly, I think where we get, the most health benefit is when we can work integratively, because there's a lot of things that I love that I do, but I can't do everything. Sometimes you have to refer to neurology or, or, you know, like we need these different subsets, but when we're all so in our lane and we don't work together, that's not benefiting anybody, you know? So, um, what would you say, um, your experience has, I guess, has been like with chiropractor. I know you sent me that really cool review that you guys were doing. You're in the middle of some research. Can you talk a little bit about that or no? Because it's kind of still in its early stage.
1: No, I, we certainly can. So I'm the medical director for an addiction treatment center called Bridge Back to Life. And so, you know, there, it comprises multiple treatment centers across New York state. And, you know, we, we're really at the forefront of using very innovative new treatments to help people who are really suffering from opioid addiction alcohol addiction, you know, um, behavioral addictions. And we're learning so much in the field of neurology because these are really brain conditions. And so um, what what we started to do is uh, we started a study where we have, fortunately for us, near one of our main centers, we have a chiropractic school uh, like a couple of blocks away. And well, their their clinic is there. Mm -hmm. And so, so what we're doing is we're having the chiropractic students and they're attending chiropractic physicians.
0: Is it the Levittown clinic? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. A bunch of my colleagues went there. So yeah, through our chiropractic school, NYCC, we could go to Buffalo, stay in Seneca Falls, which was what I did, go to Levittown. So that's so cool. I could have been a part of that. Damn
1: it. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't know you went to NYCC. Small, yeah, I did. Um, that's also where my dad went. So um, we. So basically, yes. Yeah, so we have the students come over to Bridge Back to Life. With their attendings, and we have all our patients assessed and adjusted, um, primarily in in upper cervical fashion. But um, you know, they are assessed and adjusted as as they need. Mm-hmm. So it's the same, of course. And um, and we're, the whole. The goal is to see you know how much better we can help patients' nervous systems adapt, which is what chiropractic is really about adjusting adjusting the spine to help the nervous system. And so we're adjusting people's, um, their nervous system in the clinic and seeing, you know, are, are, are patients better able to adapt to their recovery? Do they stay in treatment longer? Are there symptoms of withdrawal or the symptoms of cravings better? Uh, and it's overall health measures. So we're looking at all of this and it's just vital because we have a suffering humanity right now with 200 people dying a day from opiate overdoses. Wow. Many times, as you know, many of these patients got started with opiate prescription pills from their medical doctors, um, because nobody said, Hey, maybe there's other methods to treat your pain, such as chiropractic or acupuncture or physical therapy, or so many of the things that can be used to help people in pain. And a lot of these doctors just handed them opiate pills and really, you know, created a disaster because of the addiction. So, you know, so we're, we're trying to incorporate chiropractic care with the medical care and we our studies underway right now. I can't tell you everything we're seeing, but I can tell you, I think it's going to open up a lot of eyes in the medical community.
0: That's so, so cool. I know firsthand, like we did rotations through the VA and obviously you see a bunch of different cases, right? Like these patients are addicted to, I mean, you name it. I've seen, I've seen behavioral issues where like, I was afraid for a second. Cause like they were just aggressive and angry. And I felt really horrible, but like being able to give palliative care, being able to give chiropractic care, like that was a really cool experience for me because I mean, these people one fought for our country and two have been through the ringer with their health. And so, you know, I know there's, there's issues with the VA system and, and I know that, but that was a really, really cool experience. And I'm sure, you know, you see, you see that as well.
1: No, that's, that's awesome that you had that experience because if anyone needs help, the veterans certainly do. Their system is very broken and it's great. So you guys would go in there, I guess, and treat them sort of like free of charge, so to, so to speak?
0: So yeah, like in the VA that I rotated through, it's kind of, they kind of do a really good job there. It's all like integrated. So where our floor was, it was right next to physical therapy. But yeah, like it's pretty much included wow. in their care. Um, so, you know, there was an overseeing wow. clinician who would, you know, obviously oversee our adjustments and all that kind of stuff. But really like we could do with that, like we could do what we needed to do, what we thought was right for their care. It was very, very cool. Um, lots of cool That's cases, great. lots of neurolog- uh, neurologic deficits. Like, I mean, you learn about these things like where you do the, you know, the test of dermatones and you never see anything wrong in students and even rarely in practice, but like in them, they're like, I'm like, does that feel the same? And he's like, no, I'm like, oh, of okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, if people don't know what dermatones like certain spinal nerves relate to certain parts on your skin. So, you know, we test for things like that to see where there might be issues. So yeah, that was, that was awesome. Um, to your point of opioid, we definitely talk a lot about that, you know, in school. And I remember someone from DC who's, who does a lot of lobbying for chiropractic came and he told me that the people who make these opioid drugs also create the drugs to get them Not addicted anymore so it's a cycle of perpetual customers is that something that is that like just a huge part of the problem that you see
1: it's definitely a big spoke in the wheel of the problem you know big pharma doesn't miss a chance to make profit you know and and that's not always a bad thing right we have some of the best medications in this country and the best developments and innovations because of our system of, of capitalism there's nothing wrong with that the the problem is is that they are a tremendous lobbying group in Washington, DC. And so they really pull the strings. And the politicians are very good holding to them because of their you know enormous campaign contributions. So for example, big pharma, pharmaceutical companies are now the number one advertiser in primetime television. And everyone watching this already inherently knows that because you can't go through one commercial break without seeing uh pharmaceutical acts. And that wasn't always the case in this country, you know, that pharmaceutical companies were not allowed to direct advertise to people. It didn't really make much sense. They really should be just speaking to physicians. But through lobbying, they were able to get DC to allow them to, you know, direct advertise on TV, during, you know, network primetime television about all the drugs they were making. And so that's why you can't go through a commercial break without seeing it. So, you know, there, there's there's a part to it which is which is um You know, their motivations are not inherently always in the public's best interest, right? Because profit is. Uh, And that's where things get a little little sticky and and can go a little haywire, in in particular with vaccines, too. Yep.
0: Yeah, do you want to talk about that a little bit? I haven't really talked about that much on the podcast, but while we're here, I mean, and so I think that this is interesting, right? Because you and I, we think we're very on the same page for a lot of different things. And so for me, I mean, I was called out last week. Um, I posted something that went against somebody's standards and they are like, uh, just for the record, you're not a doctor, you're a chiropractor. And I was like, okay, because I think differently. Right. So I get that all the time. I, whatever, but it's interesting, you know, like we come from totally different educational backgrounds. You went to medical school. I went to chiropractic school, but so much of what we think on, in terms of. You know, I think the pharmaceuticals, they have a place. They save people's lives sometimes. You know, have vaccines, save people's life, probably. But there are definitely questions around both. And I I think that, you know, I would love to hear your opinion on that.
1: Look, you know, it's it's a very divisive sort of topic. Very. I I don't know that there's more actually of a lightning rod than this topic. (laughs) There's not. Yeah, I mean, look, It's very easy to make things black and white, you know, and sort of character categorize people as being anti-vaxxers or, you know, uh, and I I guess that means that there's a group that is extremely pro-vaccine, you know, if you want to call it that, but it's very easy to say vaccines are all evil or say they're all wonderful. And it's just not that simple. Um, You know, each vaccine, just like any medication, prescription medication, has its risks and benefits. And you, as an individual, have to assess that risk and benefit calculation for you to get that particular vaccine. Just because a pharmaceutical company thinks that they can profit by making a vaccine against a disease, you know, doesn't mean that it's right for you. You know, and so you have to weigh, okay, what medical comorbidities do you have? What age bracket are you in? You know, how what kind of risk do you have if you actually are to contract the, the virus? Uh, for example, or, you know, the condition or disease, you know, and, and what, what are the potential, you know, problems should you get a vaccine or, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to think about. And I think that it just very much, it becomes this sort of um, everyone's in their sort of camp and saying yeah. that vaccines are terrible or they're wonderful. And it's just not, it's not that way. in some people, the calculation of their risk and benefit should be that they should get a vaccine. And in, in other cases, I think an awful lot of cases, <laughs> People should not be getting vaccines, and they do anyway. Because listen, it's a campaign. It's a it's a campaign that's put out by the government, essentially, and big pharma together to to um, essentially, you know, make people think a certain way and get them to go along with what they want public policy to be. And so they're they're very good at that. You know, right now the crazy thing is that you know me and you, I'm sure, have the same view on this. They've essentially, through a what I'm calling a disinformation, massive disinformation campaign, have essentially scared people so much that people have FOMO about getting a vaccine. And I think that we have strayed so far from where we should be on this topic at this point.
0: That should not be, like, I, I think that that's good that it's there for people who really need it or want it. And I hope to God that it, you know that it performs like, like they're saying. Right. But for me, I'm a healthy individual. I've been exposed. Yeah. You know, like I'm not afraid. I know I have a working immune system. So for me, that the risks don't outweigh, the risks outweigh the benefit for me, in my opinion. Um, So I guess there's me going on record. I've gotten a million DMS being like, are you getting it? And I just usually dismiss them because like you said, it's a hot topic. You're going to piss somebody off either, either way. Um, You can't really say the right thing. And people are so triggered. And I think you said it perfectly,
1: it's- Look, I mean, look, the disinformation is this, right? The disinformation campaign is this, that you can lock somebody away, isolate them, sterilize their environment, which is impossible by the way, you know, uh, and and infect them with, you know, uh, a vaccine and, and that you're gonna give them health by doing that. And that's the disinformation campaign. And then and- give them free donuts for the year. Yeah. Exactly. Are you kidding? I know there are communities not far from me where they're giving away drinks, like alcohol drinks to senior citizens to get the vaccine. Oh my I mean, God. it's just really wild. You have to question what that's all about. But um, no, I mean, it, look, essentially that's the problem, right? So you have people who are, you know, very, you know we have a country where two thirds of people fit into obesity. We have, um, you know, severe numbers of hypertension, diabetes, cholesterol, metabolic syndrome it's called, and all of these risk factors are why people get very sick from essentially cold viruses. People died from the flu and people do die from COVID, but are they really dying from those things or is it really that their immune system isn't functioning right, their nervous system isn't adapting correctly, and so they're succumbing to you know, viruses and bacteria that are, that are just endemic in the world. You right. can you know, the, the general public I think really believes perhaps, and not their fault, but through this dis- disinformation campaign, they really believe that you can sterilize the environment. And there's no such thing as that. We live with bacteria and viruses all over the place. Right. And you can't make them go away. We live with them, but it's that it's that messaging, like we have to sterilize our hands, sterilize everything we touch, So, which, which, you know, it's funny as you know this, I'm sure you've talked about this. Our immune systems only learn to fight things through exposure. And so there are studies, by the way, in the medical literature, which clearly shows that children who are isolated because, you know, their mom wants to instinctively protect them from everything. But, you know, when they isolated away, when they're not near animals, when they're nowhere near, you know, any sort of uh, trees, they're not near animals, they're not near anything that's a real environment, they grow up with more allergies, more asthma, more autoimmune conditions, and we know why. Yeah,
0: I, I think that's so true. And that's why people are like, you know, they're, they're over there sanitizing. They're like, do you want some? And I was like, no, because one, I don't want to sterilize my hands completely, but two, like, that's how I keep my immune system healthy is because I'm exposed. I'm out in the dirt. I'm giving my dog kisses. Like we're, we're, I'm outside without a mask and I'm breathing in the microbes and bacteria and viruses and whatever else is there. Because that's one thing for me. Like, I felt like as I've kind of gone through the spectrum of life and I've become exposed to things, I don't really get sick anymore. And if I do, I just, I more just like feel like kind of crap for a day. I go to bed early and then I'm fine the next day.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's- I know, which, which, is, which is less than what most people will experience from just getting a vaccine, which is malaise, feeling sick, feeling tired, not feeling right for several days. And that's just like a routine vaccine when you probably would have never gotten sick like that anyway, no matter what happened to you. So- oh yeah,
0: I saw so many people that that they were feeling like absolute garbage for days. And I was like, I was exposed to COVID multiple times and I never felt like crap once.
1: Of course. Well, because exposure isn't supposed to be someone jabbing you in the, in, in the arm with the, that's not how you get exposed to bacteria and viruses. Right. So of course it's not going to be the same thing. But is this
0: something that like, how, what, what kind of changed your perspective? Would you say what it was like your background or like when you were learning certain things? Cause I mean, to be totally honest in chiropractic school, we didn't learn this stuff. We were taught by a, you know, a conventional microbiologist that like these are, these vaccines are the only reason that we don't have these pandemics and epidemics anymore. And like you, she was over sterilizing the microbiome lab, like nobody's business. Um, And then unfortunately she got cervical cancer and she like kind of took a look at some of the toxins that she was like spraying all over her lab. And then she started using natural stuff. But anyways, that's besides the point. But so I came from like that education, but I've, I've really dug into the literature. And like you said, you kind of, you see so much of it, you see it in patients, you see it affecting people. And it just kind of makes you stop and think like, would they, would they not feel that way? I mean, honestly, I have quite a fr- few friends on Instagram who are holistic and naturopaths and functional medicine doctors that have had adverse reactions themselves. Um, and I think that, you know, we're just so quick to silence them and, and I don't think that's right.
1: Well, look, I can tell you my journey. I, you know, I went through four years of medical school, then I did a residency in internal medicine and you know uh, then I did a residency in neurology. Cause you have to go that route. It's a very mm-hmm. long to be a medical neurologist and, you know, you really only deal with very, hospital neurology is very complex in severe cases. Um, You know, just severe, severe strokes, severe neurological illnesses that paralyze, you know, patients um, and, you know, really just the worst of the worst cases wind up in the hospital. We're not talking about pinched nerves in the neck or the back, you know, that's not hospital neurology. So we became very good at managing very complex conditions, but, what I'll tell you is what I saw is that I saw many cases where people were vaccine injured and there were children, adolescents and adults who beyond the shadow of a doubt were severely injured by a vaccine that they received and we see that in the medical field in the hospital because that's what happens when someone gets vaccine injured it's pretty severe you know they get conditions that that are called Guillain-Barré syndrome or yeah. they um, they get, they get inflammation in their spinal cord. Uh, they get inflammation in their brain and they get very severe neurological symptoms. And so they come right to the emergency room. And, you know, again, beyond a shadow of a doubt, these people were vaccine injured. Uh, and what, you know, it's up to the physicians on the case as to whether they officially report the case or they don't. And I'm going to tell you that, They many times don't, not because they have bad intentions, but they're doing so much and helping so many patients that officially reporting uh, a case takes a significant amount of time. And so really their their concern is the patient in front of them and they help the patient and they don't necessarily report these cases, which is why I'm telling you and everyone listening that when, when big pharma says a vaccine, they look, they all know that people get neurologically injured by vaccines. But what they say is, look, it's worth the risk because the risk is very small. You know, They'll tell you it's infinitesimally small, but that's a lie. It, it, is, it is rare, but it's not as rare as they try to make it seem. And the reason they can get away with it is because so many cases I know firsthand do not get reported. And again, it's not a conspiracy. It really just boils down to doctors are very busy handling what's in front of them. And so essentially, I would see cases where, you know, one of the common criticisms of um, medical doctors who really don't give much credence to vaccine injury, which is a big mistake and and born of ignorance, is really that they say that most of these cases are children who parents believe develop autism spectrum after they get vaccinated. And a lot of the criticism is because you can't prove all the time that it's the vaccine. They'll say there's a temporal relationship between when people develop autism spectrum disorder and when... Kids get vaccines, so that if someone's going to show signs of ASD, then it's going to be around the time that they're getting their battery of vaccines. And so it's not the vaccines that's the cause. It's just it looks like it is, but it would come out anyway. And so I can tell you that I would see many cases that had nothing to do with um, uh, people being in there, you know, as children. I would see cases where they were adolescents perhaps they were coming from other countries in the United States and they needed to get mandatory vaccine, vaccinations. They were 13, 15, 17, 21, whatever it may be, wow. get a vaccination and, and immediately after within 24 hours, these are people with no medical illnesses, they would immediately get um, uh, severe neurological symptoms whether, um, the, and then on MRI, their brain would show tremendous inflammation or the spinal cord would light up, like almost as if they were having an MS attack, wow. but they didn't Sclerosis. It's just their, their immune system went haywire with the vaccine, and it crossed over and attacked their own spinal cord, their own um, nervous tissue. And um, this happens, you know. And I think that a lot of people just don't want to go near the topic and in the medical field and admit that this happens because they're afraid people will get scared and no one will get vaccinated. But you know, I'm, this is the truth. This is what I saw in, as a neurologist. And and so so when I would look at the vaccine schedules, I would see that. You know the number of vaccines, as you know, has just escalated to an unconscionable level. They inject newborns with so many vaccines that it's hard to it's hard to imagine that um, it's hard to imagine that big pharma was able to get so many added to the mandatory list. You have a newborn baby whose who's immune system is like two days old. You know, in in the real world and. They're getting, you know, bombarded with numerous vaccines. They're getting, you know, 50 to 80 vaccines in the first few years of life. And it, it, mo- most of them are absolutely not necessary. Uh, and so, listen, you know, if you think you're not going to get some immune systems that go a little haywire to inoculations that aren't, you know, you're not supposed to be exposed to bacteria and viruses through injections like that as a newborn, you know, then you're being naive.
0: Yeah, I mean... I, I honestly speculate because kind of like you said, some people have like these really hypersensitivity reactions where it's like inflammation in the spinal cord, but I even speculate, is this why we have so many autoimmune things where our immune system is just constantly like low grade attacking itself or just have shitty immune systems in general? Because I mean, I know like we can never just pinpoint on one thing, but it is, it is a, an interesting observation, especially, you know, coming from you where you've seen it literally firsthand that definitely you know, makes me sad about things not being reported because I think that would kind of help the credentialing a little bit. Like you see people and they're like, oh, that's not true. That's not true. And it's like a mom with her child. And it's like, how, how are you telling that mom that what she's experiencing is not real? You know, like, I think that that would definitely help, uh, kind of even the ground a little bit, maybe not make it so polarized. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I
1: think you're absolutely correct.
0: It's, it's definitely said us um, I, that's very interesting. I had no idea that you had that much exposure to stuff like that. I mean, I, that's, that's insane. I I know we could talk,
1: we could talk about it for days, you know,
0: because it's something that like, I really, I never really, to be totally honest, I never really cared that much about, right? Like I, I didn't. And then I started learning some things and I was like, this is actually really interesting. And you know, I've got, I probably have like over a hundred different research articles on my iPad that like when COVID started and I just literally was I had nothing else to do right the world kind of shut down for a second so I'm like I might as well learn and I have went down some very met- deep medical le- literature but um
1: well I'll tell you I was fed to see that when I was a resident that I, when you would sort of question your physicians who you're supposed to be learning from what you what you realized is that so much of this is just rope. These doctors, the public, I think, thinks that all these doctors that are on TV telling them what to do, like they independently went in the lab and researched these things. That's not happening. These doctors are just basically hand-fed information as to what to do, and they just follow the protocol. So, you know, if if, if public policy, which is basically made between the government and big pharma, if public policy is that your children have to get, you know, seven vaccines before they're one-year-old. Well, the doctor basically just takes that information, memorizes it, and then teaches other doctors and teaches other residents. And when you when you look into like, well, why and what about this and, and you know what about this information, what you really find out is that it's very hollow. The the your your attendings and the ones are supposed to be teaching you, you know, they're really just following what someone else told them. And so that's what really opened my eyes as you know an inquisitive medical student coming from the background I had. I realized, wait a minute. You know, I, I have to dig a little deeper in myself because I'm not getting the answers that I'm looking for.
0: Totally, and I even found that in school. Like, you know, a few of my classmates we were we we're like, "Why?" You know, we want to know why, 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 why. But so much of it is like, just just listen, just listen to this, just listen to this. And I mean, I think that's just the type of person I am. I'm always going to ask why, and if I don't get the answer, I'll just go find it myself. But uh, you know, today's day and age, if you if you don't hit like that perfect, you know, mainstream narrative. I mean, but I do, I do see the trend switching where people, they want the truth, they don't care what the answer is, they want the truth, and they're going to look for it just kind of like how we did. Um, So I think that's very cool. I know that do you see a lot of patients who are kind of more open to more like natural health and, you know, not using crazy medication using what they need, but then using, you know, other natural, natural alternatives?
1: You know, I wish I could say that people pour in with already having that mindset, but the but quite frankly, they don't, and that's I think a failure of doctor there being enough doctors and the ones who who have really um, expanded beyond just what everyone else does. Um, they don't. They're not spreading the information as much as they should. Um, and of course, we have a mainstream media which is not interested in sharing that information as well. Um, in fact, you know, it's 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 there is something very sinister here in that big pharma actually they will withhold commercials and it's big money for these networks those commercials they'll withhold commercials if they think that the media is going to run a news story which is contradictory to what their narrative is and so you know remember that news stations are, are really they're they're for profit you know and again not always a bad thing but but just their motivations are not necessarily what's in the best interest of people. It's really about making a profit on advertising. And so, you know, that, that's scary because that's where most people get their information. Um, so scary. Yeah, and so, you know, I mean, I would tell you that most people do not walk in. Most people walk in and they want to see a neurologist because they're just looking to see a medical doctor. They have a neurological problem. Yep. And essentially what happens is You know, doctors need to be educators and I make sure that I do my best to teach people about, you know, the big picture, not maybe just what they think they're walking in to get at any, any office. And um, I think, but once you do educate somebody, you know, you'd be surprised how, how open their minds become. And so that's really, that's really what it is. It's not that people are just walking in already looking for it.
0: Yeah, no, but that but you're doing your part because I always say, you know, like doctor literally means teacher, like we're supposed to educate. You're not supposed to just like come in, do what you think you're supposed to do. And that like so much of what I do is educating. And that's why I spend, I take more time with people because like, I need, I want to tell them what, what the heck is going on. And I think that that's so, so, so awesome that you do the same thing because they probably just come in looking for like the cookie cutter plan, but I mean, they're never going to open their minds and change change their lifestyle, which is, I'm sure you see, like what, what change, or I guess what things that you educate on in terms of like health lifestyle, do you see a real turnaround in the people that you work with? If you can think of any,
1: I mean, well, for example, you know, most of the time when people go to the doctor, they just like, okay, where's my prescription? And that's the visit, right? There's not a lot of education happening there, you know, and, Again, you know, medications have a, have a role, and I certainly prescribe a lot of medications for people because they need them. But most of the time, medications are because they're not well, because they were they are not living the right way. And so, when people come in, and they, for example, when people have, God forbid, they have a stroke, or they have, um, you know, you know, they have um, multiple medical issues. Like, like we talked about hypertension, hyperlipidemia, diabetes, all these things, you know, that's usually the result of not, not living well, you know, and it's, it's it's the end result of years of not living well. So their body breaks down and not adapting to their environment. And that's really how sickness happens. It's really the body not adapting to the environment. And so what, while I certainly may need to prescribe a prescription at that time, because they've already been in the state hyper sympathetic state as you talk about too uh for so long and things have broken down they need a medicine because it's crisis care right and they need that but at the same time i'm going to make sure i discuss with them how they get back to health because the medication doesn't create health it's great for crisis care but it doesn't create health vaccines don't create health isolating doesn't create health masks don't create health that's the problem is that's the message that so many people believe and it's our job you know To make sure that we educate people that health is much bigger than that,
0: you know. That's absolutely amazing. I that's so awesome that you do that. Um, You're definitely being a part of the change, right? Like I feel like sometimes we're such like little small fish in such a big, a big ocean. But I mean, the more the more that we can do, the more lives that we will make an impact on. So that's absolutely amazing. Um, I did want to ask you because I mean, coming from someone where like you know I'm more of a Type A person, like I get stressed and anxious. Like the pandemic totally brought on more anxiety in me than, you know, than I could have ever imagined. But I don't even really have like a history of something like that. So I, what, can you speak to like what you saw in terms of like addiction, you know, ang- all these anxiety, depression, did, what what did you see in your practice during like these lockdowns and during this time?
1: Yeah, well, it was horrible. And it still, it still is to a large degree. Um, it has nothing to do with COVID. It has everything to do with the lockdowns and that's what created this disaster. Um, they shut down gyms, it's supposed to be up about health, but they shut down gyms, right? Which is like the major outlet for not only physical health but mental health for most yeah. people. Um, they, you know, they, they shut down people's jobs, right? So they took away structure, they took away income. Um, they, you know, they basically took away every, for, you know, in the field of, of addiction, right? So many people depend so heavily on their 12 step meetings and because they shut down churches and temples, all of them were gone in one fell swoop. And, you know, that, that hurt the pe- people in recovery across this country and the world to such a big degree. Uh, and so, you know, we so you basically took away everything healthy. You made your liquor stores were open, marijuana dispensaries were open, but all these other things got shut down because they weren't essential and we wound up with a, a public that was already suffering and now they're suffering more. So what specifically um, depression, suicide, anxiety all went through the roof. Um, and like for example, the prescription Zoloft, which is a commonly prescribed medication for anxiety or depression, that went on the FDA shortage list because there were so many prescriptions in such a short time that they couldn't keep up with producing the medication, right? Um, also, You know, uh, opioid overdose deaths were at 150 a day, which was already a national emergency epidemic. With the lockdowns, it went to 200 people dead a day. Still, that's where we are now because the lockdowns, by and large, are still in place. Uh, And, you know, we just saw the rise of of everything negative from the lockdowns. And I think that history will look back on this as a really terrible time um, as to what. government's approach was for this wow that's uh,
0: that's crazy i know that when i remember when this first started i'm like why are liquor stores essential but the gym is not right and someone had told me they're like oh well it's because like they you don't want to overwhelm hospitals with alcohol addicts because if they don't get their alcohol they'll detox and withdraw and i was like is that really where we're at is that really where we're at it is wow Wow. That's, that's crazy. And so have you been able to do what you need to do this whole time? It's just probably just been on like a much
1: larger scale. Uh, No, I, no, I never took a day off since the pandemic. It made no sense. Um, You know, if you're otherwise healthy, you should be working. And if you're, you know, every job I think is essential because it helps you put food on the table and that's essential. So how
0: can you determine like what's essential and what's not?
1: Of course, you know, and so, you know, I, and, you know, you and I, you know, we're we're in the field of, of, of helping people, with illnesses and so forth. So, you know, certainly, you know, I, I the, the the risk, you know, the, first of all, the data. I know we don't have time to go into that, but the data was so fake and so um, misleading, and the way that they would use data that was inaccurate to basically drive this this fear message to the public was really, I think criminal um, yeah. with false positive PCR tests at 90% false positives, with the fact that they knew so many people were asymptomatic, but you look at that. And, and so they had calculations of mortality being two, 3%, which is so wildly inaccurate. The fact that kids had to stay home from school, which was ludicrous, you know, the kids don't even get sick. They don't even get symptoms for God's sakes. You know the, the the flu is so much more dangerous to children
0: but it's gone it, now it's actually eradicated forever
1: i know <laughs> and 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 for people listening you're absolutely correct you go to the cdc's website look at their numbers it's like 20 cases in the country or something absurd you know i mean people have to open their eyes a little bit and realize that perhaps you're being spoon-fed things that are just not accurate
0: yeah i mean if you think that that there's 20 cases, that the flu the flu is never going to go away and honestly this whole thing is probably never going to like quote unquote go away. Like it's going to be integrated into the flu when we're vitamin D deficient, we're inside, you're, you're gaining weight. Cause it's how it's, it, that's when we're always susceptible to things anyways, right? Like that's, you're going to be more susceptible to anything. And that's kind of how I saw this play out, right? Like people got, it was March. And then in the summer it kind of got better, right? Like people are going outside, people are getting active. And then a weird surge again around f- cold and flu season. I don't know it just it just yeah, doesn't I mean, sit right
1: look, with me. look at just look at look at the people, all the people. I and mean, we're talking 99% of the people who actually got significantly sick from COVID. The the data is overwhelming. We have the data. You know, the data is overwhelming. It's in the, it's you know, you can't dispute it. Everyone who got very sick, it was because they had multiple underlying medical conditions. They who they probably um, may have succumbed to any virus, you know, and and so that the bigger picture was not really being told. Uh, you know, case counts and all these these misleading statistics were just kind of being pummeled on CNN all day long to drive that fear narrative. And then, you know, they, so it was really to scare people. And and so the point really is to come back around full circle. The point is, is is the message that people need to wear masks and get vaccinated. Or is the message that people need to just get healthier? We have us, you know, our country is two thirds obese. And that's why people are so partially why people are so sick from a, a cold virus. Um, and that's the message, but that's not the message people are hearing. The message is just get it, just get a shot and put your mask on.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the cure to health. <laughs> it's crazy. No. If you, um, I so enjoyed this conversation. This was amazing. Thank you so much for your time. But before I let you go, what, I guess, coming, coming away from this fear narrative of, you know, what we've just talked about, like, what would you tell people if they're listening, they were in the fear narrative, like, what are a few things that you would tell them to start doing so that, so that they can get themselves healthy?
1: So I'm sure it's the things doctor that you probably make sure that your patients are doing all the time for overall health, which means that you gotta make sure that your sleep hygiene is good. Sleep is so important for mental and physical health. Um, you know, for your nervous system, for adaptability to stress, you need to sleep. Um, and you have to exercise is so important again, mental health and physical, it's just as much for both. Yeah. Uh, so regular exercise Um, you know, structure to your day. I don't care if you're not working right now. You have to get up and have structure to the day. Again, it's mental, it's physical, it's everything. If you're waking up every day and saying, gee, I don't know what I'm doing today. Good, not good things don't come of that kind of life. So um, yeah, of course those things. Uh, And then, you know, uh, and then I think that most most people should have somebody in their life like you, somebody, a health coach, um, a good chiropractor, um, somebody who talks to them about overall health, how to stay healthy, you know, we, you go to your medical doctor and they're experts at telling you what's wrong and then how to help you when you're sick. But how many times have you said to your doctor, like, how do I stay healthy? You know, and what do you really hear? You, you're not going to get a great answer for most of them. And that's sad. Yeah. So, but, but if someone asks you, you probably have a, quite a comprehensive list of things to stay well. And, and that is very important. Uh, and that's why I listen to you and I follow everything you do. And that's why I want to make sure I was here to talk with you today.
0: Oh, well, thank you. So this was awesome. I'm so glad that we've connected. And I feel like now that we're sitting here, I'm like, I have so many questions. I'm about to go in the sauna and I'm like, oh, I wonder what okay. he thinks about that is like a hormetic stressor, right? Like Good. I'm thinking of so many different things. Cause like my health journey is like totally evolved along the way, but, um, yeah, so was- hopefully
1: we can do a part two.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If people have questions, just send them to us and and we can make sure that we cover all that stuff. But thank you so, so much. I so appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. Um, Like I said, total wealth of knowledge really brings very interesting perspectives to you know, neurology, addiction, anxiety, all these different conditions that are just continuing to become more and more prevalent in our society. And I do think that that's very, very important to have the discussion like we had today. So if you guys enjoyed it, I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear your thoughts, what you got from it. Um, thank you guys so, so much for listening. Um, be sure to connect with him on social media. He's very active over there you can tag us both on social media if you are sharing this episode. And I just want to thank you guys again so much for listening. Continue to be the alpha of your health and I will see you next week.